God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enlow. Greetings and welcome back to God's Love Language with Joe and Lo. I am Joe, and I am honored that you are listening to this podcast about discipleship. Remember, we here at God's Love Language will never ask you for money. There are no commercials, and you will never be added to an unsolicited email list, even if you've contacted us directly or indirectly, you know, via our website. Never. Before I get started, I want to give a shout out and say hello to my friends in the state of Washington, specifically to those listening to this in the cities of Olympia, Spanaway, Danino, Tumwater, Westlake Stevens, and Shaw. Blessings, my friends, and thanks for listening. I lived in the Tacoma area for three years and three months back in February of 74 all the way to May of 77. Uh, at that time, I was stationed at Fort Lewis. I have many fond memories from that area. Okay, we are in our series on God's purpose for the family, and we have begun with a relationship between God and you, what I call the individual relationship. This is the sixth installment about this first relationship ever created on earth. So if you would like to understand it from the beginning, go back and start with episode 21. The truth is, if you do not get your relationship on the right track with God, every other relationship you encounter will be skewed toward your sinful nature and you will not fulfill God's plan for your life. All of our episodes up to now, everything I've ever done to this point, has been geared toward establishing a right relationship with God. This is our 26th episode and everything we've done is preparing you as an individual to get closer to God. I am in the middle of teaching you how the attributes and the characteristics of the offices of the fivefold ministries can contribute to you becoming a better disciple of Christ. So far, we have covered the teacher, pastor, evangelist, and and this time we will discuss the prophet and apostle. Remember, this is not teaching you how to operate in one of the fivefold ministries. God used these types of individuals to form and grow his church. These individuals were the backbone of the church, and they were vitally important to God. You will need to understand their attributes and characteristics to build your own little branch of the church, quote unquote, your family. Your family is your little branch of the overall church. They will also help you navigate through the world in which you live. You should seek to emulate the characteristics and talents of each office. As you do, you will take on the attributes of Jesus more and more. Amen? They are also the building blocks to being a solid Christian and follower of Jesus. You may even discover what your calling may be as you explore the attributes and characteristics of each different office. I will elaborate more on each office as we move into the other four basic relationships. Right now, I want you to begin to seek the wisdom and church-building knowledge that each office offers and begin to apply it to your talents. Okay, let's get started. Ephesians 2.20, it informs us that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. What was the role of the apostles and prophets? 
It was to proclaim God's revelation, to teach the new truth the church would need to grow and thrive. Old Testament prophecies also provided the evidence that Jesus was, in fact, who he said he was, and that God keeps his promises. How did the apostles and prophets complete this mission? By giving us the word of God. The word of God is the completed revelation of God. The Bible contains everything the church needs to know to grow, everything you need to know to grow, thrive, and fulfill God's mission. Find that in 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 16. In the Old Testament, prophets heard directly from God. But today, there are no more Moseses, no more Daniels, no more Abrahams, no more Isaiahs, and no more Pauls, and no more Jesus, for that matter. These days, the ongoing work of the apostles and prophets is manifested through the Holy Spirit, speaking through individuals and teaching us God's word as it was written. In that sense, these two offices are still still active today. Keep this in mind as we developed this concept throughout our series. Okay, what is a prophet, Job? Basically, it is any person directed by the inspiration of God to proclaim his will. Although the word prophecy often evokes images of people who predict the future, Hebrew prophets primarily anticipated the punishment of evil and or a better life on earth for faithful Israelites, as in predicting the coming Messiah. They spoke the truth about the present and what would happen if people did not change their behavior and return to Yahweh's ways. In the Old Testament, it was an office, a calling. The word translated prophet seems to have the idea called as its first emphasis. God takes the initiative, then he selects the person, then he summons them and sends the prophet on. Man of God speaks of the relationship into which the prophet is brought by his call. He is now God's man and is recognized as belonging to him, 2 Kings 4.9. In the case of the prophets, their powers of perceptions were raised far above normal as the Lord inspired them to become vehicles of his message. Being a prophet in Old Testament was indeed an office, a position given by God, to speak for God. It is a biblical truth that the nearer a man comes to God, and the more he reflects the likeness of God, and the more he hears and obeys the divine word, the more he becomes truly human, i.e. man, truly man in the image of God, man as God made and intended him to be, and an imager, as we've spoken of before, of God, directly representing God as his imager. God brought his servants, the prophets, into a unique reality of fellowship and closeness with himself, with the blessed result that their characteristic cry, thus says the Lord, meant exactly what it claimed. But in today's world, there is no new doctrine of God to be revealed. The work of God and Jesus is finished until the second coming. There are no new books to be added to the Bible, and that is why you do not see any more prophets or apostles like there were in the Old Testament or at the time of the creation of the church, the Bride of Christ, and the Acts. We have all we need, submission 
of our will and the Holy Spirit is all you need, submission of your will and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to become the humans, the Christians that God wants us to be. We must understand it and apply it to our lives. Prophets or a word of prophecy today will only be a warning or advance notice given to someone for themselves or for you to give to another. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and sometimes it feels like intuition, but it is different from common sense in that it is usually something you haven't been thinking about. It is for the edification of the church of Jesus, the body, or an individual. So how do I emulate the work of a prophet? What are the attributes of a prophet that I can use in my life? The first thing that needs to be understood is that Prophets speak the word of God, and today that is done through the Holy Spirit in us. No more direct words, no more direct office working from God. The closer we get to God, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal to you about the word of God. In Acts 2, 17 and 18, we find this revelation. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 18. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, notice it does not say that they will be prophets, but through the Holy Spirit, they will prophesy. There is a difference between being a prophet and prophesying. A prophet is an Old Testament office. Prophesying is a function and manifestation of the Holy Spirit through us. There will be words of prophecy, but the office of the prophet is no longer needed. The Holy Spirit is all-sufficient and working through us can prosper the church. Think about the scene that these verses create. When sons and daughters prophesy, which could be you, it is always a great evangelistic movement. Eventually, when God gives you a spouse and then children, you will cover them in much prayer and love. They belong to God as much as you do. God will give you the words of knowledge and sometimes prophecies, both to you and to them, to help you correctly raise them. The closer you get to God, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your humanness, the more, you apt, uh, the more apt you are to get direct words from him. Let's move on. What is an apostle? The basic definition given by the Christian scholar, philosopher, and theologian origin of Alexandria is simple. Everyone who is sent by someone is an apostle of the one who sent him. The concept involves legal and administrative aspects and is basic to all types of representatives, envoys, and ambassadors. In the area of Christian religion, the term apostle can refer to a messenger, human or divine, sent by God or Christ to review to reveal messages or to reveal the message of the gospel. Origin's definition is grounded in, a new, in the New Testament itself from John 13, 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than the one who sent him. That's also in Matthew 10, 40 through 42. All right, differences in meaning. For clarification purposes, let me mention this. 
While a disciple is a student, one who learns from a teacher, an apostle is sent to deliver those teachings to others. Apostle means messenger, he who is sent. We can say that all apostles were disciples, but all disciples are not apostles. Jesus chose 12 disciples, and this inner circle of men came to be known as apostles who were entrusted to spread the message of Jesus throughout the world so that eventually there would be many disciples. So we can understand the basic attributes of an apostle or that they are leaders sent by God, authorized representatives announcing God's name. What does that sound like to you? Yes, it is the calling of all Christians today. We all have work to do after we have been equipped with knowledge and wisdom. Normally, Training begins in your local church, but maybe it's a you go to seminary or you get online Bible study. You should you should have been at least partially trained by your parents if they were Christians. Application of what you learn begins in your family of origin, in your relationship with God and those closest to you as you grow up. What I am describing here is not the traditional definition of the New Testament apostles. Those were additionally defined as men directly chosen by Jesus, taught by Jesus, and witnessed his resurrection. Even Paul was confronted by a resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. But they all performed miracles and taught and interpreted Christian behavior and morals. They established the guidelines of how to be a Christian and bring glory to Jesus and the Father. But we are all apostles in the basic sense that we are sent forth by our master, God, to spread the news of the saving work of Jesus and how to live a fulfilled, exciting life for God here on earth. Your pleasure will not be found living any other way on earth. No other way is your purpose. Any other lifestyle is counterfeit and counterproductive to why you were placed here. The sooner you let that truth permeate your spirit and mind, the sooner you can begin to have a real life on earth as it was meant to be lived. Okay, here are some characteristics of an apostle of God that will help you navigate through your mission. Besides having intellectual knowledge of the word of God, they were available, committed, teachable, dependable, and humble, but secure in who they were. They were ordinary men from mostly what we would call the blue-collar workers. But they had the personality from which character could be built. God selected and used each of these ordinary men to carry out his plan. They were no more than ordinary men who followed the teachings of Jesus Christ. Apostles have some basic characteristics that are essential to the fulfillment of the call upon their lives. These characteristics enabled or enable them to do what the Lord has called them to accomplish. Let's take a closer look. Number one, each had caught the vision that God needed them to have for his plan to come to fruition. Remember, without a vision, the people perish, Proverbs 29, 18. In my next and last episode about the individual relationship with God, I will go into further detail about catching and defining your ultimate vision for your Christian life. Number two, They can share their story in such a way that others catch the vision and come to understand that God wants them to have a part in the fulfillment of this vision. This will be the vitally important when you begin teaching and shaping your children and those to whom you witness. Number three, they can relate to the unchurched. They are comfortable relating to those who are not followers of the Lord. 
God seeks the lost, and they understand they must go to them. Number four, there are, they are effective at building relationships. They enjoy people and are a good listener. By listening, they are showing others that they care and that they are important to them and thus to who they represent, which is Jesus. You know, you can't really build any of the characteristics of a good Christian without being involved, without being around others. That's how you do it. Number five. They recognize the giftedness and calling that is upon people and are constantly encouraging them to practice their giftedness. You're building them up, encouraging them. We'll talk more about that next week or next month. Number six, they are flexible and adaptable. They are willing to go and do what God has called them to do. They do not put too much value on material belongings because they know that God could tell them to go and take nothing with them. Seven. They find their stability in their relationship with the Lord who never changes. Eight, they exercise their faith because of the work we are involved in by the nature of our calling. We will need to exercise strong faith. We need to seriously understand the Lord's words. Be it done unto you according to your faith, Matthew 9, 29. Number nine, they need to have resilience. We need to have a tremendously personal walk with the Lord that encourages us and enables us, regardless of the situation, to be able to bounce back and continue work in the vineyard that we are working, wherever he puts us. Because of this, the opposition, both spiritual and human, to our work and the intensity of the work that we're involved in, we will need to be strong and resilient. This needs to be an inner strength because we will often not receive encouragement from others or from any immediate results of the work that we are involved in because sometimes we're just seed planters. We don't always reap the harvest. Number 10, they need to be intrinsically motivated. That means from within. We need to be a self-encourager if there is such a thing. We need to have the inner strength and motivation or be motivated to continue regardless of the hardship or the cost. We need to be a self-starter so as not to rely on external external things to motivate our daily ministry in difficult situations. You got to get yourself up out of bed and make yourself do it. Here's how you apply the characteristics of the prophet and apostle, apostle to your life. Living in today's world is no easy task. We are living in a post-truth world, a world in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. And if you disagree with them, then you are some kind of bigot or mean person or someone who is spreading hate speech. After all, what you said will hurt their feelings. We may acknowledge that truth exists, or at least that some things are true, but we don't care about the truth if it gets in the way of our personal preferences. That's the type of world we seem to be living in. Living in. Does this sound familiar? Think back about my teachings on belief perseverance or confirmation bias or pathological belief. What you see more of today and how it was in the New Testament, as a matter of fact, when the church began, is a willingness to propagate blatant falsehoods, knowing they're false, because in doing so serves a higher political or social purpose, at least in the eyes of some. Remember how those religious Hebrews fought the 
the change that Jesus brought. If you see things through your spiritual eyes, it's all part of the warfare the Bible tells us is going on. You need to be able to discern what is truth and what is lie. As you become more devout in your walk with God, he will give you discernment with prophetic type insight. And as you learn more about his word, you will gain the knowledge that can keep you on the correct path with God. Wisdom is the key to living well for God. Jesus used it to defeat Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness. How do you get wisdom? Ask God for it. But he will not just deposit it into your brain. You must study, compare, learn, and practice what you learn and seek all the attributes of a good Christian. Apostles and prophets were higher on the ministry chain for a reason, but they also were held more accountable than most. Seek the higher gifts, and who knows? You know, it may lead you down to help you find your calling. You will need all their wisdom, knowledge, and understanding when it comes time for you to move into starting a relationship that leads to the marriage and then raising a family. Most people think raising a family is just something that all people do and don't think it will be that hard. I'm here to tell you, if you do it according to the purpose of God, it will still be hard, but secondary to your relationship with God, it will be the most developmental relationship you will ever experience as a human. After all, it was commanded by God And he said it was good to multiply. There is no greater way to emulate God as creator of heaven and earth than to take on the responsibility of managing, developing, nurturing, discipling, and loving a spouse and family. You use all the emotions, all your knowledge, all your God-given talents when you properly engage with your spouse and family. That is why it's so important to learn all the basics before you enter a family of your own. But the truth is, most of you probably already have a spouse and our family. That's okay. Like me, you get to do it the hard way. But that hard way has provided invaluable experience and character building that we would not have otherwise. Just know, it can be done and you can be successful as a Christian, a spouse and a parent, even if you were not a Christian before you were married. It all starts now. Your path towards success and growth begins with the first step. Do not feel any condemnation for not being a Christian before you were married or had children. Remember, the disciples were not Christians when they were chosen by Jesus. They became disciples first, and then they became apostles and changed the world. But even one of them failed at it, Mr. Judas God loves it when he gets to clean us up and make us diamonds out of coal. Next time, I will finish up with the individual relationship with a summary and a plan on how to help you focus on your vision to be like Jesus. And then the following month, we will move into the second relationship ever created, that between a husband and a wife. So for now, may you be blessed with good health May you receive the wisdom from God that you desire. Keep changing. Grow closer to God. See things from his point of view and keep the faith. Blessings. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to godslovelanguage.com. Or you may email Joe at jnlow at godslovelanguage.com.